0: This is Phantom Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air for the first time with Debbie Weiss. Welcome to the Phantom Electric Ghost podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Well, I'll let people know we are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. You see that icon up there that says Listen on Newsly. And for our listeners, if they use the coupon code GHOST, they can get one month free premium subscription. So later tonight, we will, we will be on Newsly as an audio-only version of the podcast. And we're on many other platforms, too, but you can check that out. And I want to thank you again for being on the show. We're actually at episode 973 of the um, Electric Ghost podcast today. And uh, we can get back to your website. For those of you who are listening on um, audio, we do have your website up, um, Debbie. Weiss.com. And that will be fully clickable when we're fully published. So maybe you can tell the folks if they click on that, what would they find there?
1: Sure. So first I have to correct you because it's Debbie R. Weiss.com. I wish I could have gotten Debbie Weiss.com, but somebody grabbed it first. So it's Debbie R. Weiss and there's everything there. There's a wait list for my coaching program. You can click, uh, on information about purchasing my book you can see all other information about me and my social media platforms and, and just all the things about me. Everything is is there. That's the hub.
0: That's great. So thank you for the correction. Yeah, it does say R. Right. I dismissed <laughs> that. Sorry. And I um, want to let people know that we also have your topic today that we were going to talk about, like shifting your mindset. So that's what we're going to kind of focus on. Um, and maybe you can kind of give some background, maybe as, as you know, tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself as an author, and then maybe we'll focus on shifting your mindset as the topic.
1: Sure. So I've recently published my memoir on Second Thought, Maybe I Can, and it is a compilation of stories of my life with the first part being stories about my childhood and kind of how I developed my own set of limiting beliefs, as many of us do develop. And then some of the challenges in part two that kind of forced me to look those beliefs in the face. And part three is kind of, you know, a uh, evolving journey, but an aha moment that I had that made me realize that you know, all I really need to do in order to change my life is to start changing my thoughts. And once I realize that, that's literally opened up a whole new world to me.
0: Yeah. The mind is very powerful. Um, like, cause like, you know, in my life, I actually had a, when I was age 27, I had a level three sarcoma and I I'm 56 now. And I, at that mind, I had a mindset that you know, I wasn't going to get depressed about it. I I thought very positive about it. I started to investigate what did it mean, right? I I actually yeah. started to research like what what it was, and so I had I, that was very good because I had some choices the doctors were giving me. And if I hadn't read up on what was going on and just trusted the first doctor, I, I might not be here because um, I got multiple opinions. And so and I also set a goal for myself when I was sick that. I started to build a mountain bike as I was going through this cancer, and I said, "When I'm done, I'm gonna take this bike on the trail. and Use it to get back in shape." And I actually kept that focus. I, so I think a lot of a lot of what you you know you could be a victim of something, or you could try to think of a positive outcome. And I tried to create like the most positive point of view that I could. In, in a bad situation.
1: <laughs> exact, Which is amazing, especially at that age. And, and certainly at that age in particular, such a reason to feel like a victim, right? I mean, and, yeah. And yeah. Were you always a positive person like that? Did you always have that kind of ability to focus like that?
0: I think, I think I was a little pessimistic um, at age 26, but then what I, I discovered is that, you know, I had some limiting beliefs, right? I I had some things where I wasn't confident about public speaking. I wasn't confident about being in the front in the bands I was in. I was always, I'm a keyboardist. I was always in the back. And then post-cancer, I I started doing poetry readings. I started uh, singing my own songs instead of giving them to singers. And I started to, you know, get into podcasting and just, you know, I ended up traveling to Japan. I, I, all kinds of things that I felt, before that i would have never done i decided that if i can survive that that i should have a more positive outlook or try things that i was fearful of and kind of hit it head on and you don't have to have a crucible moment but you do have to kind of change your mindset you know you you have to have some kind of thing that makes you do that so i would be interested in um talking about like uh excuses that you know there's some people you know reasons why you can't do something i think sometimes when you go through a crucible moment you find a way to get around it. But, you know, I don't think you have to, everybody has to get cancer <laughs> to, to make a right. change in your life. <laughs>
1: yeah. Let's hope not anyway. Right. <laughs> but that's, that's amazing. Especially, especially at that age. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know it. I, you know, that's the thing. I didn't really discover that truth until I was around 50 and when I was 50 I kind of had a bit of an aha moment where I realized that I had been living as the victim or having this victim mentality mindset my whole entire life. And I never realized, I never knew there was another way because I just didn't have awareness, enough awareness to like pull back and realize what I I had been doing. Doing to me, it was everyone else's fault. It was the mm. fault of a person or a fault of different circumstances and struggles that i faced in my lifetime. And I just assumed it is what it was. This is my journey. You know, these are the crappy mm. things that happened to me. And what choice do I have? Like this is my lot in life. And I'm just going to live it out until my days are over because what other option do I have? And when I realized, no, that's not true. You know, it's an evolution. It's still evolving. And like I said, I kind of came to that when I turned 50 and in, I don't know, three weeks, um, three weeks from today, actually, I'm going to be 60. So it's been a Mm -hmm. 10 year evolution and, you know, I I don't think you ever stop evolving or hopefully you don't ever stop evolving. Right.
0: Yeah. I think it like, you know, even from 27, it a constant evolution because one of the things I find is like, people always want to know when you're done. It's like, I don't think you're ever done. Like as an artist, like I'm never really finished until I can't pick play the keyboard anymore until I can't play the piano. It's like, I'm not done. Right. And the way I look at it is um, you know, the things you get scared of, like oh let me try something that i'm not that good at and i think a lot of people have a struggle with that because they they want to stay in the comfort zone even if it's something that's like you know not good for like you could be in a codependency but that's comfortable for for you rather than trying to change you could just say well all i want to do is play chopin and i'm not going to do that and i'm never going to do anything else and then then like well you're kind of limiting your opportunities like like when you cho- choose to do something that you're not the best at, you might fail at it. You might make mistakes. And what I look at is like happy accidents, the way I look at it as a producer, to me, create some of the best music that you can make instead of trying to strive for perfection. That when you actually let go and trust yourself and be willing to put something down that's not perfect, that a lot of those times is like the third or fourth take is better than the hundredth take
1: what I found is like
0: that a lot of people are not willing to deal with that. They were like, well, there's, I gotta, they'll never show anybody or they won't go forward with it unless it's something that totally to me is like way it loses a lot of its authenticity. Like when you try to spend all your time trying to make it perfect.
1: Uh, And is there perfect? Like, you know, perfection just doesn't really exist. And I, I think what you said about, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, that is the hardest thing to do. Or at least for me, it was the hardest thing to do and still is difficult. But now I know, just like you said earlier, when you started public speaking and doing poetry readings and doing all those things, your whole world changed, right? Because you opened yourself up to all these opportunities that you never would have if you just stayed in your safe little cocoon of a comfort zone and when you try new things, I think especially as we get older too, right? Like you're a musician and you've been doing it your whole life, so you're really good at it. When you try something new, you forgot what it's like to be a beginner, right? We all forget because now chances are we've got something that we're pretty good at or we've been doing for a living or as a hobby or whatever. And, you know, we have to think back to we were once a beginner at that, too. And what did that feel like? And look at where you are now. And that never would have happened if you hadn't walked through your fear and given it a try.
0: Yeah, I think it's like the, the, the I can't, you know, you have to switch out, like you said, to I can. And a lot of people, it's like, it's like they don't realize it's not really somebody else that's stopping them. It's like you are stopping yourself. You like I always like the Victorian poets because they talk about the looking glass, right? They a lot of the poets from from like you know you, th- you think about um, I don't know Longfellow, Hawthorne, Lord Byron, uh, Wordsworth. They they're all talking in 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 this idea of like self reflection mm-hmm. and and the things that you're kind of scared. And they used to put all kinds of layers on it to be indirect, right? But then you kind of could go through it and see what they're really talking about. And I always thought that that was you know, unweaving their layers and trying to get to their core truth. I was like, wow, that's, what if you didn't have the layer and just went right direct to, to what exactly you want to talk about? So I started really studying that and trying to be more authentic and going for stuff that was like less layered, less masked, you know, less it, you know, and that's harder to do because then people like, oh, well, who, is this song really about you? then you're kind of putting things out there and, you know, songwriters can kind of like, to be authentic, you have to give a lot of yourself and then you could get hurt because it is a lot of you. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of have a a certain level of an armor to to handle the criticism.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's, you know, funny. You should say that because when I was writing it, like I said, my book is a memoir. The things are deeply personal, you know, there are stories some that even my closest friends and family didn't know. And that's scary as anything to put that out there and realize that people are reading this and like seeing seeing me, seeing my inner thoughts that I didn't share with anyone. You know, we all have these things that go through our heads. And like I said, even with our closest loved ones, you're not sharing every thought. But in this book, I tried to be honest and, you know, write what I was thinking in the moment. And, you know, it's funny when I was writing it. Now, obviously I was writing it with the idea that someone was going to read it, but I don't think that the connection really Mm -hmm. struck me until I went and I recorded the audio book. Oh, and man. I was in a you know a closed sound booth and I couldn't see. It was like two to me, younger guys, like maybe 30. And I had just finished recording something really personal, and I opened up the door, and they're just both standing there staring at me. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> this feels awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and I that at that moment I realized what I was actually doing yeah, and it was scary and it still is scary even with you know some acquaintances and stuff in town they're like oh you wrote a book I can't wait to read it and I'm thinking do I really (laughs) want you to be reading that I don't know
0: (laughs) yeah that's like like when you when you first start you know if you uh, are a musician you have to deal with your producer or recording engineers and you get really personal it's kind of like that booth moment because like you go and you put something down and you're kind of in the moment. Like we get into this, like I'm in the flow state or I'm in yes. that stream of consciousness. I kind of get in the zone, and I'm not really yep. paying attention to other people. And then suddenly they come out like, oh, and then oh. you got your recording engineers like looking at you like, is that true? Is that things <laughs> like well, you know, like, I'm an artist. Come on, so you, yeah. you, you kind of play it <laughs> off, but it's like, but it's like you know, it, it is like when you start to reveal that, and he's like, well, how is my as my best friend, when I was like ten years old, gonna re- take this. How's my mom yes. or my grandma? How they gonna take it? You know. So he was like, but you like, as an artist and an author, and I've talked to a lot of people who are like creatives. That is like the first step of getting that to, into reality, getting something out of your head, in your heart, and putting it out as a piece of work. That right. that a lot of times is the stuff, the stuff that stops people. You know, they 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 stop because they're like, oh, I don't want I don't want to show anybody this. And I've taught I've run into artists, they're like, the best song they have, they don't want to put out. Right? The best song because it's too personal, it's too too raw. And then I'm like, as a producer, I'm kind of like, you gotta this is the one. You know, all these other ones are nowhere near what this is. And exactly. and then a lot of times people are very scared of that. Even people who've been doing it for a long time It's like the one song is like you gotta push them. Sometimes they're like, it's like, yeah, that, that's it. That's it right there.
1: <laughs> but let's face it. That's what the audience wants, right? I mean, that's what they want. They want to know you. They want that authenticity. And that's where you're going to connect with other people when you're vulnerable. But it's it's still super scary. Sure. But that's that's what pushed me. I had one story in my book that wasn't originally in my book because it was something that I was extremely ashamed about that really nobody else knew. Maybe one other person in my life knew about 80% of it, but other than that, no one knew anything. And I didn't have it in there. And one day I actually... I don't know. Maybe I was either meditating or something and something popped into my head that was something like, you know, you have to you have to tell it. You know, you have to tell it. And I reminded myself, what's what's the reason I'm doing this in the first place, right? And it is to let other people know there's another way regardless of what's happening. And if I don't put everything out there, that was truly going on, you know. Maybe then I wouldn't be connecting with someone that I might have if I didn't reveal this story. It was about money. So if I, you know, there might be people out there who are thinking, oh, yeah, but she has no idea. Easy for her to say, right? She has no idea what I'm going through or what my money situation is. Or, you know, it was just one more level of connection around a topic that I, I think is typically shameful, you know, Mm -hmm. if you don't handle money in a good way, or you find yourself in a, in a position that, you know, whatever it is. And I thought I've got to do it because otherwise I don't want to say I'm a fraud, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not being completely honest with myself or, or my audience.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that's like the authenticity thing, you know, that I always talk about like with an honesty, because a lot of people will try to just clone what's popular or clone what they think people expect. So they'll parrot what people, what the, the face that, or they, you know, people have these masks. You put on a mask and that's the public face that everybody sees. And that's what people are used to. And then suddenly if you actually show them who you really are, because you finally get to the point where they, you want to tell the truth There's some people they maybe can't handle that because they like, like the 25 year old version of yourself. Yeah. And you are always using that mask and then you finally take it off. And then they're like, Oh, well, I don't know if I like this person. Yeah. <laughs> but,
1: I didn't know that about them.
0: Yeah. So it was like, that's the, there's always like a risk, but there's also like benefits of people that you're going to, you know, find, you know, it's going to, the law of attraction. I think once you start to, reveal and like what's been holding you back then things you get opportunities like like for everything that like seems like a negative there's a lot of positives there's a lot of things like once you come to terms with that you know it's like therapy like a lot of what I do with music is it's like it's it's told therapy therapeutic to 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 be an artist and actually put something out put it down and then it's kind of there and then I, I put it out there and then I gotta handle it and and figure out how to how to how to shape it into something that's like artistic. But I think that's that's the moment when you realize that you can you can use that. And I've talked to a lot of therapists. It's like, well art therapy is a very positive thing to show people how to they've been very really closed and they they don't want to put take that they don't want to reveal that, but you can get them to, to do it through painting, photography, or journaling. Or then people was like, oh, I want to write a book or I want to, I want to paint this painting or I want to write this song. I want to do, get into acting and then kind of take that and channel that feeling, the feelings into like acting, doing, you know, theater somewhere. And it's a lot of that capability that people have, like everybody can be creative. It's not, you don't have to be Orson Wells. You don't have to be, you know, somebody big, Uh, Stephen King. You don't have to be that to be human, all human beings are creative. And a lot of people are told like only the, the masters can do it.
1: And that's oh my, not true. <laughs> oh my goodness. I have so much, I have so many thoughts on that. So I couch myself as not creative at all my whole entire life. I'm like a numbers girl. My brain is whatever that is, right or left side. I don't remember. That's where I am. And I can't paint a picture and I can't you know i love music but i can't make it and god knows i can't sing it even though i try and n- nothing like just no no artistic ability and i wasn't comfortable with journaling writing i mean in college i if it said that there were papers involved i was doing whatever i could not to take that class <laughs> And so when the concept of journaling, which I've heard, but never was interested in, when I finally did start several years ago, the only way I could do it was with a journal that had prompts because the thought of staring at a blank piece of paper was so incredibly intimidating, but I never tried it. So I just said, I can't do that. So I needed something with prompts. So I started with that. Okay. I felt a little uncomfortable you know i felt like someone was going to grade me on my journal and so but i i got that down and then about a year and a half ago i must have been listening to a podcast and they were talking about the benefits of free form journaling you know looking at that blank piece of paper just writing down stream of consciousness and you know, I wish I could remember what they said the benefits were that really drew me to thinking, oh, just give it a try. And I sat down with the blank piece of paper. And once I wrote one sentence, I was absolutely amazed how I was off and running. And four pages later, my, whatever I was writing went from you know, it's a sunny day to some deep, dark feeling I didn't even know I was having. And I was blown away by the whole experience and could not believe how great it felt, how, how, I don't know, satisfying or, or just like you said, it was such therapy. And I started doing it every day. And that is actually what started me on saying other people had been saying, oh, you know, you really should write a book. You should write a book. And I would always say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't really mean it. And it was that that made me think, I don't know. I mean, maybe I can do this. Maybe people would be interested in what I have to say. But it all started from journaling and it was a complete form of therapy and something I was very closed off to f- forever.
0: Yeah. A lot of artists I deal with by, like, you know, being an artist, a lot of what I like is I'm not I mean, I can read sheet music, but I'm not really into it because mm-hmm. I, I'm a creator. So what I like to do is that flow state, that stream of consciousness. And I find as I get older, uh, that, that um, and I read a, a lot about, you know, some of the great people like, you know, Hendrix and Morrison and, and uh, Neil Young and Frank Zappa, they, they all believed in this kind of flow state, stream of consciousness, just put the recorder on, just put the track on and just play. And if you do that and you you trust yourself, you'll find that all these deep things just come out. It's like the idea that Victorians had about the muse, that as artists, we can channel. You know, I think all human beings can kind of channel into that muse or the universe. And it sounds kind of a hippie thing, but it's true. Like we, we, a lot of writers will find, yeah, you can you can do the flow chart. I mean, you can do the outline, but when you're in that flow state and you just start putting something down, it is very significant the things that you can come up with that without without all the planning. Not that you don't do planning, but there's a lot that can come from that stream of consciousness. And even if you have a set arrangement as an artist, I can have a set arrangement. But if I kind of go with what my flow state gives me, I might change that arrangement because I came up with something better. But so I don't have to be tied to it. And that's where people kind of get, they think they got to be tied to their structure. And a lot of our art is very unstructured. And it, it comes, it comes from like subconsciousness, it comes from the external and the internal, and this way that we our brains can and our, our artistic self or can do that. And some people just don't understand how it happens, but you don't have to all understand how it happens to actually do it. You can just get into it.
1: <laughs> and it's amazing. I tell everyone, don't ever, I, I, uh, try not to say anymore that I'm a numbers person because I'm shutting myself off to another whole side of myself that I didn't even know existed. And even with the art, I went to a spa and they had like, you know, different art classes and, I got to tell you, I was petrified, like petrified. This is just for fun and relaxation, no judgment, free judgment zone. I walked into there like I don't know what I thought was going to happen to me. And, you know, I felt like, oh, my goodness, I don't even know how to mix the paint and clean the brush. And I'm looking around everybody else. You know, I'm I'm comparing myself, very bad thing, to Mm. everybody else around me. And when I finally relaxed and said, Deb, you're going to bring this home and you can throw it in the garbage. Like, what do you care? (laughs) And I just got into it and got out of my head. I loved it. I thought, oh my goodness, here's another form of therapy, basically. Yeah. but in a creative way that i never felt that i possessed before or that i would enjoy and there's nothing more exciting than discovering things about yourself you never knew existed
0: yeah i think it's it's a it's a journey that a lot of people they, they, they come to because a lot of times as a kid you know when you're very young you might not have that limit you might not have that limitation you might say well i'm going to try this i'm gonna we'll do this and do this. like because nobody's telling you you can't right. and as you get older people start saying well that's like oh you know being an artist that's kind of childish or that's like that's not too optimistic or like why should you do that it doesn't make money it doesn't do this it doesn't do that like but the thing is like if it's heart satisfying if it's soul satisfying why not do it and i found a way just to always integrate art and in my whole family my daughter's a graphic artist and I didn't put like tell her like well, you gotta go to college and go find something real, because I right. respect that that's that's a real profession. She's a she's an art director now. She does you know she found a way to to monetize it, but that wasn't the point. She just found a way to get into it because she loves it and she's doing what she loves. And my wife's like into you know, she's she's a public speaker and she writes her own memoirs and things. But we've been a very you know art focused family, not thinking that it's a bad thing. Yes, or it's something that you, that that's not uh, real, or it's not something like well, you shouldn't go to college for art. You need to go, you know, get a degree in mathematics or be a lawyer or be a scientist. It's like why not? Yeah, why? Because yeah, everything that's out there, there's some art to it. You know, Madison Avenue, movies, film. There's tons of art in everything. Even there's commercial art. And my daughter has done tons of things that are commercial art. Things like logos and. You know all kinds of like uh, backgrounds and stuff for companies, but yeah, you don't always have to do that. But something you pay the bills, but you can find a way to make art part of your life without feeling guilty about it. I think a lot of people feel guilty if they're doing it because they say, "Well, it's a waste of time," because they've been told it's a waste of time, and it's not.
1: (laughs) I couldn't agree more. And like you said, she's they're doing something they love. You're all doing something that you love. I actually, my youngest son is a junior in college now. And I just keep trying to tell him he's so worried about, you know, how's he going to pay the bills? How much money is he going to make? And uh, I have to say he's very similar to me, you know, in the kind of I'm a numbers guy thing, you know, that's kind of his brain is a little bit like that too. So it's not like he has any of those other passions. He doesn't really know they're undiscovered, but Mm -hmm. I still feel like I hate to see you get pigeonholed or pigeonhole yourself into something. Without really exploring things that maybe aren't the biggest money makers in the world, but you know what? Money isn't the end all, be all. If it brings you happiness and fulfillment, what else do you want in life? I mean, yeah, sometimes else.
0: your passion sometimes can bring things to you. It's like the law of attraction. Yes, like if you're into something and you're so positive about it, then that then when you believe in yourself, then other people start to believe in you. Right, so if you doubt yourself, then you're gonna probably not gonna actualize. But if you if you fully self actualize what you really want to do, then you see people become entrepreneurs. They become business people. They take their arts and they sell it on eBay or whatever. They get into what they really want to do, and they could have been doing nine to five, and they didn't like it. And people told them they should like it. And then they found out they didn't like it. It's like, well, I, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, and, and you find a way to uh, you have your passion. And a lot of times today, like people can brand themselves. You know, yes. you can go and create your own brand. And that's kind of like the future. Like with AI and all these things, like, you know, people are scared about the jobs going away. It's like, well, you're going to be yeah. like controlling your own job. Yeah, you're going to create your own brand you're going to do your own thing that's kind of hard it's scary it's gonna be scary for a lot of people but it's kind of kind of like the future state of humanity is being able to be more self-determinant you know of what you can do
1: yeah building building your own brand I'm in the middle of that now and it's uh it's interesting and and scary and fun and exciting all at the same time and something that Yeah, it was kind of new to me because when I think about building my own brand, it just makes me think of um, either celebrities or, (laughs) right, or, you know, uh, influencers. And I, which, you know, being 60, I'm like, what's an influencer? Why are they influencers? And how'd they get to be influencers? (laughs) I don't even really understand it. But I guess now I'm starting to understand. And, um, you know, it is, it's a a whole new world, but it is exciting. And when I first got started a couple years ago, heading in this direction, I went with, I was heading in a kind of a little bit of a different direction and then auto-corrected and I was not self-branding. And I think the thing that's nice about self-branding is that life is going to take us in different paths, and no matter what path we go down, if you self-brand, you're still yourself, right? You still have the same brand with anything else that you do under under that brand of you.
0: Yeah, like I think sometimes you start with a narrow focus or some people start like very expansive and then they get narrow. Yeah. I kind of started, you know, with the whole idea of this Phantom Electric. It's a band. It's a, it's a music. I'm a music producer. And then I said, well, somebody came to me and said they wanted to interview me on a podcast in 2016. I said, what's that? I didn't know what it was. But I said, okay, I'll do it, right? I went on the podcast with a guy named Rocktoons. We liked each other so much that we ended up doing a podcast for the next six months. And we had not planned that. It just kind of happened. And then I said, wow, this is actually pushing people into my brand, into my Spotify, into my iTunes I said, "Wow, this actually works pretty good." So I started interviewing bands, then I started interviewing authors and poets, and then photographers, and then I started, you know, going into life coaches and CEOs, and just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Went from audio to video. Yep. And then suddenly, this thing that was a hobby became like a side gig, and it wasn't totally planned. But what I think what what, what you have to do is sometimes you have to be willing to see something that you didn't even realize could be an opportunity and not just say no. I think a lot of people look at something and they say no, because they they never did it and they're not going to even entertain it. And I think you have to have the kind of mindset to be, if something comes along, are you going to reject it? Or are you going to accept it?
1: (laughs) And then obviously you discovered you liked it, right? I mean, it was something that, you know, brought you joy too, just to do. I mean, I started my own podcast back in May And the thing that I love best about it is exactly this, is getting to meet people that I would never have otherwise met. And it amazes me that I can talk to anyone in the world like this. And why would I have ever gotten an opportunity to meet people? I never would have gotten an opportunity to meet you and have this conversation, right? I mean, it's incredible. And everybody that I meet, is amazing
0: yeah it's the one thing that i've I've been doing these like over 900 episodes and i've met like initially i met like 300 musicians a couple grammy ordering producers and i never thought i would actually reach people like that you know and it was just suddenly this because i show up because i'm consistent i started getting the kind of known for a, a live interview my live interview is my is my thing and i and i i tried having scripted, controlled, taped, really heavily edited interviews. It wasn't me. I was like, no, that doesn't work. I I don't want to do that because I'd rather do it like a real live, like radio interview that uh, was done live, kind of what I grew up with, you know, people doing stuff live. And I'm like, that's what I like. And it's, you know, it's like, why do they do Saturday live live? Because there's something about when you do something live, it's like you have that one shot to do it. It's very authentic and, and people are gonna be that's what it is. That's who you are at that moment. That's what you're talking about. I find that very dynamic. And even you can't control everything, you have to let go of some of the things. You know, they some people can't let that go, and that's why they don't do it. But yeah, <laughs> but true. It's a certain thing you have to be willing to let go.
1: <laughs> hey, that's the best part of Saturday Night Live is when they mess up or they laugh, right? Yeah. Or they break yeah, character.
0: <laughs> if you go to you see a play, like an off Broadway play, to you know, watch an actor who's been doing film, they love doing those plays because it allows them to kind of perfect their craft and they kind of live. It's like a jazz musician. We play off the crowd, right? Yeah. You play off. And if you're playing fusion and it's not pre, it's kind of sad. You know what you're going to play, but you go off into a kind of cacophony or confusion and come back and right. you kind of play off the moment like Herbie Hancock one time talked about this thing where he was playing with Miles Davis and he hit the wrong note. He looked at Miles and he thought Miles was going to hate him. And Miles kind of like smiled and he just went off in a different direction based on the note he played. Amazing. And then after he was like trying to apologize to Miles, Herbie, and Miles said, no, you don't need to apologize because that's what this is about. Like if you go and play something different, it helps me write a new song. You know, that, that I'm not going to look at it as a bad thing. That's like what we're in. We're in fusion." we're doing fusion fusion is about improvisational capability and be able to kind of recover from the so-called bad note. Right. And, you know, it's not necessarily a bad note because it gave me an idea.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. I, I love that. I love that so much.
0: <laughs> so That's why a lot of people have to have to think about that when they're writing is like, it was, is that a bad thing to write about or is that something like off the cuff thing that you get into It's like, well, that wasn't planned. But that might be the thing that makes the whole project.
1: Exactly. That's the thing that makes it land with somebody. You just never know. You never know. You're right. When you're too planned and you're too scripted, and and actually with my own podcast, that's what I found because for me, um, I tried it both ways, You know, either when I was interviewing someone or when I was doing a solo episode. The solo episodes where, okay, yeah, I have the general topic that I'm going to talk about and maybe I just have like a couple of bullet points, but that's it. And then I just talk, whatever comes to my head, right? Like you said, that feels natural. But then I got in my head, oh, maybe I should make sure that I say these five things and I should have at least da 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 And now I had a whole outline where I basically had a piece of paper because I wasn't on video and I mm-hmm. had a piece of paper and you could tell I was reading. Or yeah. even if you couldn't tell I was reading, it didn't sound natural. It didn't sound, it just didn't yeah, land.
0: Yeah. It's harder to land that unless you can like make people believe you're not reading it off the page, which is like yeah. actors can do. exactly. But not, but not everybody's an actor. So it's like, like if you're going to do that, you got to practice like, some theatrical capability. And so yeah. that's where it kind of comes in that, you know, being your authentic self is not a bad thing, but a lot of people we've been kind of told in this age of like all these tools, you know, we've got like, you know, I got tons of digital control tools they can make my stuff sound perfect.
1: Yeah. But I'm I sure. like they
0: have these things called quantizers. They'll you know, fix my timing. But I think if I go back and I listen to like the Rolling Stones, they're not using quantizer, quanti- quantification. They're letting the, you know, Keith Richards is playing his chord arrangements in a very ramshackle way. Doesn't really follow the meter, doesn't fully really follow a time. It's kind of like it's his own time. Okay. And today people want, want, want to be so precise that I find it boring. That if I hear something like that, it's like, it doesn't have a, a feel that's like a real human being did it because it's not, it's like coming off a machine yep. and that machine, some people can like it because it's very predictable, but I kind of like, I kind of like, oh, I don't really like that. Cause mm-hmm. I want to hear somebody with the micro timing, low differences. Yeah that make you feel like that's authentic, that's real. And exactly. uh, I think that's where there's always gonna be a place where for human um, people playing, people say, oh, AI is gonna replace all musicians. I just don't think so. Because there's something about a real human being that we, as an author, as a as a musician, as an actor, I don't think you're gonna get AI replaced in original human capability. It, I, it can I, do I, some think- things that are boring, you know, maybe create stuff, but... I don't know how much of that stuff people are (laughs) going to like.
1: I I agree because when I, you know, I, I don't even know if it was, I mean, I guess it was around, but I guess I wasn't aware when I was writing the book, but even now when I write something and if I put it in there and it, you know, changes it, makes it sound better because it uses better words and maybe the sentence structure is better, but I'm like, does that really sound like me? Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's never going to sound like me and it's never going to sound like you and it's never going to be it's it's going to lack that yeah. authenticity that it's not going to be able to duplicate. And hopefully so see, I like, think like, over time yeah. people will start to recognize that.
0: We can see that with like famous writers like Stephen King sometimes breaks rules because that's his style. And you'll see yeah. that you know Hemingway Kind of broke rules sometimes. There's a lot of classic writers, like sometimes they broke rules because that was like their style. And it got accepted because it's like, well, they're big in the canon. Like, well, because they were able to force their own style. And it's like a lot of times in music, like people break rules and create a new genre, you know, like mm. from bebop to yeah. fusion. Bebop Sorry? is considered like the the standard jazz structure, but then fusion changed it and, and totally rewrote it. And then people say, well, that's not right. Yeah, and people saying, well, that's not real jazz. But now it's considered that is a real jazz form. So like when you go, sometimes a lot of times if if you go to a school like Berkeley or something, they'll teach you all the rules. And then the professor is like, well, you know what? You're going to end up breaking them. If you're going to be a creator, you're going to break a lot of these rules. But in order to go forward, it's like that's what human beings do. We take these concepts and we break them and it becomes something new so you have to be willing to kind of be in the new frontier and try it
1: <laughs> it's so fu- i don't even know why this was coming to my mind over the last couple of days i was thinking to myself i wonder what is going to be what are we believing now as a universe that we're going to find out 10 years from now was absolutely ridiculous and i just kept thinking about Christopher Columbus, maybe because it's going to be Columbus Day, I don't know. Like that, everyone thought he was going to, you know, sail off the end of the Earth. Earth, Yeah,
0: you know. I I mean,
1: I wonder how long (laughs) it took for people to really accept. No, the world is round, and now look, we look back and be like, what do you mean, sail off the end of the, you know, of the Earth? It. I don't know. It was. I just pondered that the other day. Like, I can't wait to see. What is next? And I wonder how long it'll take us all to accept that. There are all kinds
0: of ideas in science. They get like new theorems get replaced all the time. Right. They find out like, well, you can't travel faster than light. And then somebody finds a way to do it. Yeah, you
1: can. Right. Exactly. You can. It's
0: like somebody's like, so then it's like, because you're thinking as a, you know, some people just think sequentially or just like what I can do fuel to burn without thinking like, what if you folded time? What if yeah. you take point A and point B and then make, put put them in the same spot? That's kind of like warping. It's yeah. a science fiction idea, but the, the physics of it is like, well, that's how you do it. You don't do it through like all this jet fuel and trying to go as fast as possible. You can actually skip points. You can jump. The idea of jumping, that's like a physics idea, but it's actually getting closer to like actually
1: happening. Happening.
0: You know, yeah Yeah, so people are like wow even things like transporters from star trek people have actually done experiments where they can move matter in a way that's similar to that and they're like wow that that was science fiction but now you potentially could really do it so there's a lot of ideas that go beyond what we can think just because you have to push the envelope of what you believe is possible and there's things that human beings don't realize you know because we don't know it
1: yeah exactly Think about think about uh, the Jetsons, right? Yeah, I you know I looked because I thought it was actually aired a little later than it did. I think it was either the late fifties or the early six very early sixties. Yeah, and you know. I remember as a kid looking at that, talking to somebody on a screen and you see their <laughs> face. Oh my gosh, that would be that's amazing it. if I could talk to my grandparents yeah. who lived in another state and I could see them. That yeah. That's ridiculous. You know, that is so futuristic or, yeah. you know, so many of the things. I think the only thing we don't have now are the, you know, little rocket cars that drive around up there instead of, you know. Yeah, cars on the ground but pretty much everything else on there it's it's a thing nowadays
0: yeah I mean the, the the limitations are only kind of like what you um you know i think people have to kind of live this is an age where things happen so quickly and the exponential uh capability of like science and uh yep. mathematics and industry we're we're gonna jump make these massive jumps um that are getting ready to happen because of AI Yep. and and other things that they're looking at. And, you know, people have a lot of fear because they said, well, you know, it's kind of like the horse and buggy age when the car comes. So like right. everybody who was a blacksmith doing the horseshoes is like, well, I'm out of work. But then they had to learn how to do tires. So every job that kind of goes away there's a new job that comes back. You know, Absolutely. so people are kind of in this age where it's got to shift. And a lot of people say, well, I'm going to be left behind. They're only left behind if you mentally feel like you can't change. You know, I think that's where people need to kind of put their head, and willing to
1: exactly. That's just what we started talking about in the beginning, right? People being afraid and changing their mindset and stepping through their fear. It's all all of it. I you know I don't think that um, they're they're universal concepts that probably will never go away.
0: Yeah, it's just like it's like that. How you're your life kind of changes, right? Once you discover that you, uh, you know, you can do something that you thought you couldn't, right? Like in yes. your daily life, I think people I've talked to on this program are the people who are actualizing, right? They're actualizing, they're doing, they're becoming authors, entrepreneurs, business owners, artists, and they're and they're making progress and they're connecting. Uh, and I think that is, that is like, the, that is what we do here. And that's why I love the podcast format because it does allow me to talk to people worldwide and different time zones, different places that are not possible. And that changes everything. So yeah. I think there's learning from other people is like, you're constantly a student. And I think as a creative person, you realize that you you never stop learning. You're not done.
1: That's right. Cause if you stop learning, you are done.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's the, that's the big rub. But, um, I, I do want to mention again, your website, we didn't get it right this time, com. That will be fully clickable when we're published. And so I would like to encourage people to click through on that. And maybe you can tell people again, what they find there.
1: Sure. Pretty much everything, everything about me, my book, my podcast, my coaching program, all my social media stuff, anything and everything you ever wanted to know.
0: That's awesome. And I do encourage people to click through that right now. You can't, but when we're fully published, like even on the Facebook live that we're on now, when it's fully uh, published, which will be as soon as we're off the air, that will be clickable on uh, YouTube and Twitch and uh, Facebook and then all the other places. So thank you again for being on the podcast. Uh, We always appreciate our guests coming on and encourage people to click on that link. And uh, thank you and I wish you good luck with the book.
1: Thank you so much, thank you so much for having me. It was such a great conversation, appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Have, have a good night.
1: You too.